Welcome to the Ready to Thrive podcast. My name is Jacqueline, and I don't know if you've ever felt like you are just surviving your life. I know I have, and that's why I created this space. I want to help you move from surviving to thriving. My goal is to help you get unstuck and actually enjoy your life. Each week, I'll be sharing practical tips and always point you to Jesus. So what are you waiting for? Let's get ready to thrive. Hello and welcome to Ready to Thrive. I'm sitting here with Jessica Hoddle. She is a faith-based business coach, a podcast host, a best-selling author, and host of the What's the Truth, a show she challenges the way her listeners think so they can change the way they live. Her latest book is called Face Off With Your Feelings, Break Up With the Lies From Your Past, and Embrace the Truth for Your Future. Jessica, I love that title. I've started reading your book and I love your book and I would just love to hear a little bit more about who you are before we dive into this topic. Yes, of course. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here and really share my heart a little bit about this topic, but you know, a little bit about me. I always say that I was kind of that emotional roller coaster girl. And uh, I think mainly because for most, I would say more than half my life, you know, I didn't know Jesus until I was 22. And so I didn't grow up in the church. I don't know the lingo. Uh, but as soon as I found Jesus, I started trying to kind of checking off the to-do list box because that's me. I'm very list oriented and I want to do the right things. But before that, I really kind of believed that um, I had to take care of me or nobody else would. And, you know, growing up in a home where parents kind of felt distant and there was a lot of different kinds of abuses going on. It was hard to figure out who I was in that situation. And I think my parents and the people that I was around did the best that they could with the information that they had. And, but for me, I've, I've realized I was this girl trying to figure out who I was and how I fit into this world. And that led to, of course, all the complications in high school finding my identity in men and then finding my identity in my business and then in my body. And so I've been on this really big roller coaster of trying to figure out who I was in so many other things, but also trying to figure out who I was because I grew up really fast. And then when I got married, I was able to finally feel safe for the first time in all different aspects. And that's when I began to actually confront like, and almost go back to a child and rework from there, especially a child with the father of like, what does it look like to not say like, God, I trust you. Like, what is it, what does it look like to not say, Jess, it's all on you. If you don't do it, nobody is, because that's obviously a lie that we believe, which leads us to hustle and striving and, you know, really just not even living in obedience and surrender. So that's a little bit about the story and, and really why a little piece about why I get passionate about today's topic. So good. Well, I love how much you were able to unpack there. And the one thing um, that you touched on as I was reading your book, I thought, um, you know, this is how I know your heart is healed because you share just a little bit of, hey, some things in my upbringing were hard. Um, but you actually have this line where you say, my family of origin is not to blame. And it's interesting because I think we can definitely get stuck there where we can say, I am who I am because of them. And I always say that blame is like this quicksand where when we are in a position 
of blame, we're immediately a victim. And that leaves us helpless and hopeless and powerless. But when you're able to say, yeah, like things, and you even just shared here, things actually were hard. Things weren't great. And there's stuff that I had to deal with. Um, but when you're able to share those things from the place of, you know, they they had their own reasons. There was challenging circumstances. It does show me that you're coming from that place of um, a healed heart. Whereas mm-hmm. I think some of us are still, we're trying to, we're trying to walk through life in a like light and free way, but we have these wounds and these hard things that we're holding on to that we haven't dealt with. And so I think that's so much of what your book really is inviting women into is to a place of healing. So um, let's just dive in. And how, how did you go from the place of, hey, I, I need to look out for number one. I'm going to hustle. No one's going to look out for me. These are the places I'm finding my identity to moving from that to the place of healing. Like what was that journey looking like for you? Yeah. It's interesting to me. And I hope so many women that are listening to the show just kind of like, oh, okay. Is that I didn't have these huge defining moments in my life that were like, this is when I changed. It has been such a slow and steady progress for me because, you know, obviously where I started isn't where I'm at, but the reality is, is that I was only cherry picking scripture in the beginning. Uh, I never touched the old Testament, like years went by before I touched the old Testament. And, you know, it went from cherry picking to I'll just read one chapter and then I'll maybe read like an entire book you know, and then maybe I should read the gospels all the way through. Like for my journey from really feeling to healing was this complete slow progress over the last, you know, 11 years or so, 10 years that I've known the Lord and of just wanting to understand who he was as a father, not who he was as somebody sitting on the throne, like separation And understanding relationship, because typically what we struggle with here on earth is what we struggle with, with the father. So if you had a, you know, a hard upbringing, then you probably wrestle with the father and looking at him as good. You know, if you have a hard time with relationships in person, you might have a hard time, a relationship with God. Right. And so there is all these areas that I actually had to process, work through. And the Lord has been so kind to bring people into my life that, I didn't have necessarily growing up. I mean, I, I'm so appreciative of my boyfriend's parents in those seasons, because I remember one particular uh, boyfriend I was dating for about two years, his parents would kind of take me in. And it was the first time I recognized that something was wrong with the way my childhood was. Cause you don't know, you don't know. And I lived in comparison for a long time. I mean, a lot of my friends had things that I didn't, and I would always be jealous and kind of compare my life to theirs, but I never knew it was wrong per se until another adult in my life was like, Jess, this isn't, it's not okay that they say this to you or that this is being done. It wasn't until somebody came along to speak a different route. Was I actually able to acknowledge that something wasn't right? And so for me, it's been a slow journey and these different people, like my spiritual father, who started out as a business mentor, turning into a spiritual father in my life for about five years in a season I needed him the most of working through relationships and identity. 
to now, obviously with my husband and being under authority in church with my pastor, it's been a lot of pruning, but it's been the hard and holy work and, you know, going and touching back on what you said quickly about my upbringing was I really had to learn empathy and compassion because I think we do the best that we can do with what we know um, because all of us carry pain and our pain speaks through our actions and it speaks through our words. And a lot of time we don't know how to metabolize our pain. You know, we don't know how to process our pain. And that has been able, that has helped me to be able to look back. And I'm not saying I'm hundred percent healed, but with so much more empathy, especially in other people's lives and how they treat me and just healing moving forward. Um, yeah, I, I feel like even in saying that where I'm like, you have a healed heart, there is an understanding of like, we're continuing to, to heal and continuing yeah. to um, really lean into those hard places, even when somebody says to us like, hey, that, that, that part of your childhood, maybe that wasn't um, the best or, uh, or we have a moment or a memory or we have something like there's, for me, there can just be those little moments where I go, oh, like maybe this thing I've been thinking, maybe it isn't true. And I've shared before, even a friendship I had for like 12 years, the whole time believing that this friend didn't really like me based off of a text message I'd received 12 years prior. And I had this moment where I went, what if they do like you? What if you've been believing a lie for 12 years? And then I had this moment where I was like, what other lies have I been believing? And I think sometimes it is just creating that space to stop and say, okay, God, what, what is true here? And you talk in your book about creating space to heal the tender places of your soul. Um, mm -hmm. So what does that look like for us? Well, I think it looks like a lot of different things. I mean, we think of space, I mean, it literally just think of white noise, like I use these examples a lot of, you know, when you're at a red light, we pick up our phone. When we're in going to the bathroom, we're on our phones. <laughs> like when we're in the shower, we're thinking about our phones. It's this idea that we are every single moment of our day, we're trying to fill with something. Even if it's a good thing, like I should read a book. I, you know, need to go write in my journal. I need to do this task. I need to do this launch. Like we're constantly thinking. What's the next thing I need to do? And so there's never a moment of just, Meh, I'm going to sit here for just a second. And, and what happens, it starts to feel awkward almost. Like I'm sitting here for two minutes and I haven't picked up my phone and I'm just kind of looking around. I mean, we do it everywhere. Think about it. Do you sit at a doctor's office anymore and go and just sit and look around or read a magazine? Probably on our phones. <laughs> well, my, my husband has this line that he's been using because he goes for a walk every day without his phone. And he has this line where he says, he looks around and he says, oh, it's so nice. People are out taking their phone for a walk. Right? Yeah. Because <laughs> it looks like you've got, especially if you have, you know, headphones that have a cord, it's like you, your phone is on a leash out in front of you. Um, so it is actually sometimes the, it's as soon as you get out of it, as soon as you choose to say today when I am driving in the car, my phone is going to be aside. Today, when I am at the grocery store, whatever it is, um, 
that's when you become aware. And it's amazing to me also how quickly I become aware and judgmental. I'm like, oh, I can't believe you're, <laughs> you're pulling out your phone. It's like, yeah, you were doing that yesterday. But um, yeah. but there is this um, gift. And there are quite a few authors who have written about this idea of like white space and that noise in our life. Um, John Mark Comer has written about it. And even um, – I feel like Greg McEwen, who wrote Essentialism and Effortless, and there's a few others who have like lots of research where they basically are saying your brain thrives in a place of nothing. Like in yeah. a, um, what are you doing this afternoon? Nothing. I'm literally like laying on a couch outside and I'm staring at the sky and I, and it's actually one of the hardest things to do yeah. to say like, how long have you been here? Oh, I've been doing this for like, three minutes but like and it's to do nothing it is really it feels harder sometimes than doing something yeah yeah I completely agree and I think that's why I open up in the book with the first chapter is to create space for healing is you know when I I, I kind of walk you through some three quick steps about you know creating space uh, and just in your mind of processing through of and that first step is really awareness right it's thinking about what you're thinking and the second step is really being able to write down and name what you're experiencing and feeling. Maybe there's phrases that you repeat in your head. You know, the common ones that I think women often hear, I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. Nobody cares about me. You know, things like that. Um, what are those phrases, how they make you feel um, and really naming them and giving them titles? Because I think titles, they no longer make you guess they actually help you process and move through what you feel. And then of course, the third thing is we want to go to the father in this conversation of like, where is this coming from? God, what does your word say about it? And we want to flow from our identity, not to our identity. So that's why we want to, of course, open our Bibles, read about who God is so that we have his nature and character in our hearts so that we're equipped for when these things come, we can begin to kind of nurture them right? You're not trying to shove them down. You're not trying to pray them away even because I believe our, you know, our bodies and our minds, they, they keep the score. They really do. And they're one of our greatest storytellers. So I always say, it's not really about praying them away. It's praying through them um, and being able to process in a very healthy way, what you're actually experiencing. So your body can complete yeah. the feeling, so to speak. So good. Um, I feel like I have done it. One of the things that I love to share with women is giving ourselves permission mm -hmm. because it is actually easy. Like over the course of this year, um, the border has been closed and I happen to live like 10 minutes from the Canadian American border. Mm -hmm. So I would go down, I'd make my pilgrimage every like <clears throat> two weeks, at least once a month to the land of Trader Joe's and Target. And so I haven't been able to go in, you know, 18 months or whatever it's been. And so there'd be the odd time where I'd be in the kitchen and one of my favorite Trader Joe's products would run out and I would get sad and I would look at this product and I'd go, oh, and I would, I know there are way bigger things in this world to be sad about, but I would give myself a moment to just say like, it's okay to be sad. Yeah. You're feeling sad. And, and it's, it's not just that, you know, I'm sad I'm out of my favorite tomato soup. It's the, I'm actually also sad about what's going on in the world. I'm sad about the change. I'm sad about the fear. I'm sad about that. Like, 
all of these other things. And so sometimes it is in the place of, I think, giving yourself permission to grieve the little things and to process little emotions, I think really helps you almost like you're, like you use that word, I don't, I want to say metabolism or like. Metabolized. Yeah. Yeah, metabolized. Like it's almost like the same way my body processes food and that it, you know, you talk about letting your metabolism keep doing its thing. You don't want to slow down your metabolism. Um, It's the same thing with our emotions where you actually get to be really good at working through things because you identify like, oh, this, that anger I was feeling, that grumpiness I was feeling, what, what's behind it? Oh, I'm actually just feeling sad or I'm feeling anger or I'm feeling fear. Like what is the thing that is behind it? And as we continue to give ourselves permission to do those little things, when the bigger things come up, we don't get stuck there. Like we Mm -hmm. actually are able to really process through. Um, Can you just give me an example of what it looks like? Because you you shared that idea of naming something. Mm -hmm. Can you just give me an example of what that might look like in your life? Yeah. Uh, Let me think about this. So I think one of those things that... I often confront sometimes is like at conferences, for example, is this idea that I'm kind of an outcast, like I don't fit in. And I talk about a five-step process in the book of handling like your emotion in that moment. And for me, it's the awareness that something doesn't feel right. Like I feel, why do, why do I feel all of a sudden like my energy zapped or, that I'm sad or uncomfortable, you know? And then I begin to actually identify, okay, I do feel sad, you know? Cause the first step was just awareness. And the second step is just identifying at that point. And then your third step is acceptance, which is what you're talking about is permission. I like to say acceptance in, in the fact that what you're going through, it's okay to be sad right now. It's okay to feel angry. It's okay to have joy, whatever it is that you're experiencing, experience it in that moment versus trying to discount it, try to, you know, make it seem not as bad, like, oh, it could be worse. Like those phrases don't actually really, my personal belief don't actually really help us. They don't, they almost dumb down the pain and experience that you're experiencing because, well, somebody could be having it worse. Right. Um, I think it's just a matter of honoring what it is that you have. It is in no need of comparison to what could be, or what is not, or to anybody else's life for that matter. Even when we compare ourselves to people in third world countries, like eat everything on your plate because people in third world countries don't have food. It's those phrases do not help us deal with the situation at hand. And I think for me is just accepting it without it becoming your identity. So there's a huge difference of us being able to process in a healthy way versus saying, okay, I'm a sad person that makes me, I'm sad right now, sad person. That's my identity, right? We start to go, well, I'm just an angry person. So I have to rein it in. Well, you're claiming that as your identity, you're just maybe angry about something that needs to be addressed. And then the fourth thing is where you get into what is this emotion telling you? This is like, what is it communicating? Cause there's a belief about what's happening in your life right now in this specific situation that you're believing. And the fifth thing is a conversation with God. So if I think about me being at a conference with women, I'm aware that something's not right. I'm sad. I feel isolated. 
And I'm kind of sitting there in that moment for a second to process. And then I'm thinking about why do I feel sad or isolated or like nobody cares? And I think about the times that I'm like, okay, I I don't have anything to offer. And then I might even think about the times that, oh, this person said, you know, you should have done more or, you know, I start to kind of process through that of, okay, where is this coming from? And that's really when I go to, okay, God, like we've had this conversation. What does this look like? I know the things that you say about me and I really have to think about scripture. And I talk about in the book called a train switch, um, where the train changes directions of the course on the track by that little lever or depending on the train. Um, I just think of a lever. So bear with me if you love trains, but I know it's called a train switch, but depending, but it's really pulling that lever to change the direction, not just, um, you know, trying to push it aside, but that train switch changes the course and the direction of the train, which is what we want to do to get us out of that emotional loop. So that's kind of a little bit of an example. So good. Well, I think as you're talking, I was thinking about how, um, I had an experience probably, well, a number of months ago, I was interviewing a woman named Dr. Caroline Leaf. Mm. And I was really excited to interview her because uh, I've loved her work and I've seen her speak live. And I was so nervous, understandably. But as I went to go do the interview, I just remember kind of changing that lever. And I said to myself, I was like, you're excited. It's okay to be excited. Be excited and enjoy this moment. And something happened where essentially as I named this feeling of like, because in the moment, the anxiety feelings of the excitement and all that can make you feel like, okay, everything's getting narrow. Also, I don't want to do this. I would like to not do this thing. And and I just said, what if you just were excited and enjoyed it? Yeah. And that really brought everything down. And I was able to be present, enjoy the interview. The whole thing kind of shifted. And I thought, there's so much power really in being able to just sit with the emotion for a minute, identify what is it trying to tell me. And I often share about how like our emotions, we don't want them to lead us, but they often are telling us something, right? Like we've we've been created as these incredible bodies that have these um, emotions that come up and they they indicate things for us. And so it is in that kind of paying attention of, okay, I'm feeling this thing and what are you? And I, I think the Holy Spirit works in that way as well to say like, hey, like he can help um, highlight to us what the thing is. And sometimes for me, I know sometimes when I've been really angry at my kids and uh, I pause for a moment and the Holy Spirit's like, it's fear. Like you, it, it really is rooted in fear. So what does it look like yeah. to give me that fear? And so as you talk about it, it's that conversation with God. And so we're not we're not being stuck in the place of like, well, I identified that emotion and I yes. guess. I guess I'm stuck here, yeah. but like you said, really it is um, kind of this surrender to him where he's like, mm-hmm. guess what? I can handle this. I can, mm-hmm. you know, I can take care of this. And it's that, and I think even right now in this season we're in where, you know, um, things have been crazy. And then I, I don't, I don't know where things have been like where you're at, but, um, and people are listening from all over the world. Um, where it feels like, oh yeah, things kind of calm down. Oh no, they're crazy again. Oh, they've calmed down, right? And so we really collectively are going through so many emotions. And this morning, even as I was feeling like locally, we've had quite a few more um, things that have come out that feel overwhelming and pressure. 
And I was just, I had a bath this morning, which I never do. It's like always a nighttime thing, but I was like, you know what? I'm just going to start my day in a calm way and pray. And I just felt like God was like, take a moment, rest, Mm -hmm. like feel this, be sad, be whatever. And then like, come back to me and trust me that I have got this. I am in control. And it is just that kind of like resettling and grounding in him that ultimately we need, regardless of what we're walking through. Mm-hmm. I um, The reason, one of the big reasons too, why I wrote this book was I really want to bridge the gap between the two sides that I often hear of, you know, the one side of the church is like, feelings are bad. You shouldn't have feelings. You know, you sh- of course not to be led by them. That's never what I'm saying. But the message that we hear is if you have feelings, that is bad. And then the other side is kind of like, feel all the feels it's okay. And I keep thinking of a popular quote that we often say it's okay to not be okay. But I want to add to that and be like, but it's not okay to not always be okay. And so there's this, again, this bridging the gap that yes, it is okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to not always be not okay. It's, it's a place of visitation, not habitation. We shouldn't be going from suffering to suffering. Scripture tells us we go from glory to glory. And so I think that we do experience suffering and these trauma times, but also we are carrying more than our bodies are meant to carry because social media and the news and everything happening that it feels even more just quantified. Is that the word I want? I don't know, but just whatever that word is bigger and larger and more overwhelming because we're almost taking on everything of the world that we're not meant to carry. Well, it's, it's one thing to process everything that we are personally walking through in our lives, but then we are processing so much of what's going on in the world. And it's not about not being aware or turning off those things, but the, the thought I've often had is like, how much information do you really need? And I think that's part of it is that there is, so my husband and I have largely um, stayed away from news and um, I mean, when things first kind of started with the pandemic, we were watching the news all the time. We were refreshing things. My husband loves spreadsheets. He was creating his own stat sheet. Like he was like, I need to know. We need to, and it's that form of kind of being in control. And we realized, yeah. oh, this is this is destroying us from the inside out. So we we largely have stayed away. And and there is the understanding of like, you are gonna know what you need to know, and becoming consumed with things around the world, um, reading the comments, it feels like that's gaining more control. But really, what it is is actually is usually moves us into being paralyzed, where we mm-hmm. cannot move in action even in our own homes or in our own neighborhoods. So yeah, I think there definitely is, um, there's a huge need in this season to act in wisdom with self-control and say, Hey God, like, how do I, how do I start my day with you? Um, and what is going to be wise in this day? What have you called me to in where you've placed me right in this moment Um, and then kind of moving from that space outward because it's not about staying inwardly focused or, um, kind of like you said, I love that I've, I've shared a similar phrase where it's, 
it's okay to not be okay, but don't stay that way, right? Like God doesn't want you to be stuck there. And I think that's, it's hard because we can also be in this place of deeply compassionate and empathetic to um, people where they are at in their hard seasons they're walking through. Yeah. But also saying, Mm. hey, let's, let's sit for a moment in this place, but also we are going to get up. Together, we're not going to stay in that place. And um, and I think we can – I heard somebody say, and I, I don't know who it is, but um, where it was like when we stop with just the empathy, when we stop with just the compassion of like, oh, I'm so sorry you're in this hard place. But then it's like, and now do I leave you there? Like that also doesn't feel like that's going to be leading you to a place of healing and wholeness. And I think really that is the place that – Jesus is offering us. He's like, I'm offering you freedom. I'm offering you like all of these things and, um, and what you share in your book as well as that it's, he is wanting to partner with us and it does require something of us. I think that's part of it is the, we can be in a place of feeling helpless, hopeless, you know, paralyzed and feeling like I'm, I am stuck here. I need somebody to do it all for me. And, and while Jesus does the heavy lifting, he's, I imagine him like turning to that um, man by the pool of Bethesda and he's like, do you want to get well? Right. And so I just imagine that man like saying yes and like holding up his hand, right? Like that, that co-laboring, that partnership. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's one thing that you said, because I think on the opposite end, we can also, we can also feel like, okay, the world is on fire. I need to, I need to do all of these external things, right? Like if I can just organize my house if I can just just get the kids in school just and I'm and I will say these things as well as soon as I get to this place as soon as we get this then everything will be okay and you this great line where you say external balance doesn't take care of the whole in our soul and I think sometimes we try to heal the inner chaos with just this outer work Mm -hmm. so can you tell me about what that looked like in your own life yeah I you know when I think about my body, for example, I was doing all the workouts. I was eating all the food. Well, not, I mean, even not even eating all the food. I actually became afraid to eat food at points because that was really, I felt like heavy in the diet culture in that age, probably, I don't know, eight years ago, you know, carbs were bad. Bananas were bad. Don't eat sugars. I mean, it's still kind of like that, but the narrative changed a little bit. And I just became afraid to eat gluten and dairy and grains. And I mean, it's so overwhelming because there's so many people telling you what to do. And so when I think about, you know, this idea of external is deep inside, I was still sad. I mean, I was still searching for, for love or to feel loved or to feel belonging, but I was reaching for it, hoping that if I think like fix something in my real life, then I'll have change, you know, business courses, they take you through, here's your pie graph. Here's your pie graph. Let's talk about your pie. You got your finances, you got your family, you got your relationships, spiritual rate, each pie graph or rate, rate each, you know, section of your pie. And you know what I'm talking about, right? Like we have that. And I actually talk about that in the book and I'm like, well, let's go one step further though, because is really just fixing something externally, adding one more thing to your do list. Is that really going to take away the busyness you feel inside or 
the hurt that you feel inside or the pain or the broken relationship in your marriage or your children or your, you know, mom and dad or your, whatever it is, like is stickers to your, you know, your planner going to make you feel any better? That, that was kind of, you know, the, the thing I started to realize. And so for me, it was, I was chasing a lot of things instead of dealing with what was inside, but two of the big words, if we go back to blame, that's a really big one. I've been thinking about a lot lately because it's running rampant right now of blaming each other. You didn't do this. It's your fault. You know, just that narrative of blame and There's also this responsibility is the other word in a sense of I can control my reaction, my words, and how I show up with other people and how I choose to heal with the Lord. So we have these two words where, you know, most of my life, I would say about 25 or 26, I just remember thinking and blaming my childhood for something in my adulthood. And it just came to me. I was like, I'm like 26. Why am I blaming my childhood for something that I'm doing today? Yes, it impacts it, but it doesn't change. Like I am an adult. I can make the choice. You know, if I wasn't taught how to cook as a child, does that mean I just never cook? Or does that mean I just decide like, Hey, I'm going to pick up, I'm going to start reading some recipes and I'm going to figure it out. But like you said, the longer we continue to blame, it only prevents our healing from coming and the freedom that we get to experience from letting other people just go and not carrying that kind of emotion and that heaviness. You're not taking responsibility for their actions and their choices. You're taking responsibility for what you can with the Lord, your words, right? Because I've seen people throw out words, but then they turn off comments on Instagram because they don't want to deal with the comments that come. I said, if you're going to express them, then you can't just shut off the world and expect everybody to hear your message. Cause I feel like that is very, it's not taking responsibility for the words that you're going to share. Well, I just was in my mind giving you all of the fire emojis. Um, I was like, I think somebody just got saved there. Um, I mean, you were sharing that from, you know, when you were 26, um, But I feel like I'm like, yeah, I've had conversations with people who are in their 50s and in their 60s who are still saying, because of my childhood, this is where, like, I'm stuck here. And there is something that happens where you can even say, you know what, that thing that happened, like, that sucks. Like, let's acknowledge. So it's not about saying that this, whatever you went through wasn't hard, but it is about saying, what can I do now? I can learn how to cook. I can create a budget and take care of my finances. I can choose different ways to take care of my body that weren't like whatever it might be. Um, I even think even in this present moment where we can get stuck in the, in the, well, this is what, you know, has happened to me because of the government. This is what is going on because of, you know, whatever the situation is, we cannot change everything. We can't control things that are coming our way, but we can do something in the moment. And um, I just think again and again that the the enemy wants the narrative in our mind to be that feeling of being stuck, of being hopeless. And um, I've shared um, in my book uh, that in John 10, 10, where it says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, the word destroy 
is this Greek word apollomy, and one of the definitions is render useless. And for me, it's, it's sometimes I'll get to that point of I will feel self-pity. I will feel discouraged. And this past spring, I really wrestled with it. Like I felt a huge sense of doubt, a huge sense of discouragement. And rather than really closing the door to those thoughts or kicking those things to the curb, I was like, you know what? Sometimes it actually feels good to feel bad. And I'm just going to like get under the covers and I'm going to agree with those lies. I'm going to kind of lie down in that place of discouragement. And in that place, that's where I'm rendered useless. And sometimes that moment where you have to like pick up the word, you have to get into worship and, and speak out the truth, let your mind hear the truth and go, oh, yes, okay. And it's like you have that moment of clarity where you realize, oh, this is where I've been stuck. Okay, I need to break up with those lies. I need to break up with whatever I've been thinking and believing. And it doesn't mean that I jump out of bed and I'm like, and now I'm good to go. It might actually take some time of speaking that truth over again, of beginning to move. Sometimes I feel like I will I will actually begin to move my body physically, yeah. um, which because I think sometimes we do something in like the natural. It helps us in a, you know, spiritual and soul Absolutely. level. And so sometimes I'm like, you know, what? I don't feel like this. I'm, I'm going to the gym or I'm going for a run and I'm just going to begin to move my body. And in that space, God is going to begin to speak to me and remind me of the truth of who he's created me to be, of what's, you know, how my, my mind has gotten tangled up in these things. And um, so I hope that's encouraging for anybody who's listening just to feel like, you know, you're, you're not alone in um, be, having hard days or being in these hard places. This has been an incredibly hard season and you tack on any other um, additional thing, which we all have regular additional things in our lives. Um, we all have things that we've you know, had to overcome or battle. And so you're not alone in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think one of the biggest things that I had to really come to grips with was that God wants me well. He doesn't want to just manage my pain. He wants to take it away. And I think a lot of that comes from identity, which I talk about in the book again, and I talk about it over and over. It's just this place of where, wh- how do we view God? How do we view his nature and character? And are we flowing from that? Because that really impacts any type of feeling that we experience emotionally, spiritually, and physically is, do we believe that God, you know, wants us sick to teach us a lesson? Cause you're never going to search for healing. You're never going to believe for healing. And I say sickness, very emotional, anything. And so for me, it's when I realized, okay, God wants to be well, I actually started fighting for my health instead of just kind of, well, what's the lesson? What's the lesson? I kind of went from lesson to lesson, you know, oh, there's another terrible thing. What was me? My life is, you know, sucks. Oh, look, that's just me. You know, that always happens to me. You know, we have these narratives that we believe, you know, the tire breaks down, the dishwasher breaks, and all of a sudden you're, you know, it's, well, that's my life for you. <laughs> well, and it is that narrative. And I think when you're living in it, you are unaware that there is even a different option. Right. Like you can get so sucked in. I know for myself, I'm incredibly prone to self-pity and negativity. And that was really the, I would say like the pool or the ocean I was swimming in. And it's like when you're in it, you don't realize it. 
until you bring your head up from out of the water and you go, whoa, what, what have I been speaking over myself? What have I been thinking? And one of my favorite verses is Matthew 12, 34 that says, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so when you say something out loud, listen to it and say, whoa, what, what's actually in my heart? Because I've just shared that out loud. And for me, if I get to a place of complaining or bitterness or other things, I'm like, oh, there's, that's actually letting me know there's something in my heart that I like need to go to Jesus with. Something ugly has been yeah. coming out. And, um, and I will get there. And I see that now as um, a gift to be able to process with him because it's not hidden in my heart. Actually, it's come out so I can mm-hmm. begin to deal with it. But um, I can so relate. And I would say even in my own journey, um, there first was the really taking the time to reconcile like, oh, God, I have felt, I've been believing lies about you. I've been believing that you are waiting to punish me. Like I remember thinking I couldn't actually fully relax because once I did, I was like, oh, God's going to drop a bomb on me. Like, isn't that what he does? Like it was just, that was the belief that I held. And so it was in, and really it's in the stillness with him hearing his voice, hearing his love, that that, um, him speaking truth over me does so much healing on the inside that, um, you know, I've heard people say like one word from God is better than 10 counseling sessions. Like, um, and I'm not saying counseling sessions are good. Um, cause I have lots of great, uh, friends who are counselors, but, um, but it is, he is ultimately our counselor. Right. Like it is it's creating that space to sit with him, hear his truth, his words of love that get into all of those like deep, jagged, broken places deep down in our heart that we're like, oh, I I actually didn't even know this was there or that I needed that like soothing balm. And then, like you said, it then we we flow our identity actually will then begin to come out of that place. Um, and there's a peace that comes out of that place. But it really first is found in him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And so much of that, I, I like to tell people, is that it's consistent. It's not something that happens right away. You have to be pursuing healing. This isn't something that comes instantly. It's really the willingness. Like, are you willing to surrender and start to forgive this person? Are you willing to not um, lash out in anger and deal with the deeper things? Like, as soon as we stop blaming and start taking responsibility, that is the first step, I believe, to actually begin to change and to heal. Yeah, so good. Um, you have this other great line that I want to share before we begin to wrap up. It says, a hard truth is many of us are trying to figure out who we are without ever opening our Bibles. And I thought that was deeply impactful, especially as we are living in this time that... Um, feels chaotic. Identity definitely feels like um, it's something that people are really wrestling with. And so um, can you unpack that just a little bit as we begin to close? Yeah. Well, I mean, I was definitely your girl. So I was the, I was the one that led the charge for that. And I think what I'm just seeing in our culture is yes, please buy my book. It will help you, but it's an aid. It's not the main source. And I think that we're using a lot of Bible studies and you know, great, great books by amazing authors 
as the main source because it's condensed. We can understand it, right? Because I have so many scriptures in my book that I explain or I, I process through or I give her, I give a different, you know, ver- like not version of it, but, you know, a um, the revelation that the Lord has given me. And I think that we're, we become so dependent on those because we open our Bibles and we go, this feels hard. This feels overwhelming. Where do I start? I don't understand this. But we really need to push into that because we're really just depending on other people to do the relationship with God for us versus us having our relationship with God. And so we're depending literally on other people. Tell me what this means. Tell me what you think about this next world topic and what happened to this pastor and this pastor, what's your opinion on this pastor and all these different things. And we're not training ourselves to think critically for ourselves. We just want the next opinion because I think that also comes down to fear of man. If I don't have the popular opinion or the right opinion, somebody disagrees with me, then what happens? But that's another tangent. So good. I just think that we really have to get back to this because I definitely was the leading charge, like I said, of this, of really saying, okay, I'm trying to figure out who I am, but I wasn't spending the time to figure out who God was so I could figure out who I am. What is God's nature and character? And what am I to be imitating? Because if I'm to do godliness, right? I mean, to be like God, to be like Christ, what are those characters in, in, in nature that he's, he's written about with his neighbors and his friends and to go to the people that you're upset with, or that, you know, are hurting or about evil, about comparison, even, uh, there's so many different things that obviously the Bible covers. I mean, he's not going to give you a, he's not going to give you a list of things to do, um, or to say in every conversation, but he gives you this framework. You know, he's not going to tell you that you need to, you know, go this job, this job, this job. Like he's going to guide you through that. But the Bible doesn't give us like, you know, we don't open it up and go, okay, here's your life all out laid out. You know, it's this trust it's relationship. It's like any other relationship. Right. I mean, it's funny because I've often thought like, what would my relationship with my husband be like if I never actually spent time with him, but instead I just said to friends like, Hey, you, you've been hanging out with him. Like, tell me, <laughs> tell me what you think. He, like, what has he been saying yeah. to you? And Oh, like if people were just came up to me, were like, Oh, like my husband's name's Brendan. Like Brendan's so awesome. Like I, I really enjoyed hanging with Brendan. I really, and I never spent time with him. Like we, what kind of relationship would we have? But there is, there is an acceptability that that's okay with our relationship with God, where it's like, I'm going to let this person who clearly like they have been a Christian longer than I have. So they must know more and they, they are like ordained. So they, therefore they have like this special connection with God or whatever it might be. And I think that was one of the things I realized um, a few years ago and really having, I grew up in a Christian home, an awesome Christian home. um, I've had a close relationship with God my whole life. And yet it really was only in the last few years where I was like, Ooh, you know, I still kept God at a distance. I still had these lies I was believing about him. And it was when I really began to just pursue the relationship with him fully, both in like, I'm reading the Bible every day because I want to know more of who you are and you reveal to me more of who I am. But then even just in that spending time with him, that is 
on purpose, like distraction free, not like, like if my husband and I only ever stumbled upon time together, I was like, oh, we just, we both happen to be here at the same time. I guess we could maybe hang out unless we find something more interesting, like our phones, yeah. or, right? It's like, yeah. no, no, we're intentionally meeting together. And so what does it look like to intentionally meet with God? And um, I just had this spot um, near the woods by my house where I would go and I would be like at least once a week where it was like this date really of like, I'm going for a walk out here. Sometimes I like to listen to worship music, but sometimes it'd be like, what does it look like to leave my phone at home and just be listening? And there's, it's amazing how much God wants to say to us when we slow down enough yeah. just to listen. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of it has to do with maturity. It's coming off the milk and really getting the meat, you know? And I think, cause when we think of, you know, a mother and her child, the, you know, the child is dependent on the mother at that point. And then after that, the child can sit next to the mom without having that yearning for that, you know? And so now you kind of go off on your own, but there's this maturity that you're still connected, right? Cause obviously you're still that parent, you know, you're still a parent, uh, but I think we do the same thing with the father, you know, of there is this dependence maybe on somebody helping and guiding, but then, you know, laying down the, I think, I can't remember the exact words Paul uses in the new Testament laying. I mean, like he kind of says like, these are the basics that we should already know we need to be moving on, like raising the dead, healing the sick, um, casting out, you know, demons, like we should be past this by now, <laughs> kind yeah. of. And we should already be doing that. And so now what, like, what's the deeper, what's the meat of the, the bones. And so I think a lot of that just has to do with maturity as well. And maturity is simply just growing in the Lord, which is really you you mature in your relationships, your friendships, you know, your romantic relationships, like all of that matures with time. Jessica, I feel like we could talk for another hour. I'd love to. Um, but where can people find your book and when is it going to be released? Because I think it's such a great resource. Yeah, it's coming out this fall. So depending on when you hear this, just go to jessicahuddle.com and get the book. You'll be able to see all the great you know, resources and things that I have for the book and just be ready. That's what I say. Just if like my whole point of the book is like when our soul is well, we can be well. And the fact that God does want you well. So good. Well, thank you for coming on Ready to Thrive. And for those listening, I trust this has helped you move one step closer to thriving. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Can I just say thank you for listening? This space has been incredibly encouraging for me this past year. And as I am being deeply encouraged by these conversations, I trust you are as well. And I'm not going to ask you to rate the show or subscribe but I am going to ask if while you were listening today, a friend popped into your mind and you thought, hmm, I think they could use this encouragement. Can I ask you to share this episode with them, with one person? When I listen to podcasts on my phone, there are three little dots at the bottom right, and I click there to share. Also, can I say sometimes I don't share with others as I'm worried about what they'll think of me if they think I'm bugging them by sharing something. But when someone shares something with me, I am never bothered. Often it is the exact thing I needed to hear. So if someone popped into your mind, click those three little dots and share this encouraging conversation with them. And thank you for listening to Ready to Thrive.